And we say hi to you here for episode 67 of the Cherokee Rewind. I'm Mick. Thanks for hanging out with us here. And, well, this time around, we're going to do something slightly different. Uh, You know, I've had brothers on before on this podcast. I had the Pisanis. I know that. And, um, you know, it's it's always been fun. I've also had the Pogorskis. They've they both have been riots and really enjoyed their their storytelling. This one's slightly different in that I'm going to have Billet Brothers who did not play together with the Cherokee. They played at different in different eras, but they're intertwined uh, for a reason, and we'll get into that as we go along here. Uh, first up, I'm going to say hi to Fred Hassenfuss and Fred. You played. I'm trying to remember. You played one or two seasons in Toledo. Uh, hi, Mick. Um, thanks for having me on. I just wanted to say that, and it's good to see you yeah. again. Um, I played two seasons in Toledo. Um, trying to think of the years here. It would probably be around 2001, 2002, 2002, 2003, something like that. Yep, that sounds about right. And uh, I remember. If- uh, I always try to do this, and I always screwed up. Now, the reason I'm doing this, I'm doing it with Fred, but I'm also with us, as, and he's going to be also, they're, they're each integral integral parts of this story. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to kind of gravitate towards Fred in the beginning, and then the two of them together, and then it gravitates a little bit towards Donnie Nagel. Uh, and we're going to talk with uh, both of them throughout the podcast. So, Donnie, how are you, my friend? Good. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm going to say the same thing Fred did. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I should have known. Anyway, <laughs> but no. Uh, but uh, I always try to remember what jerseys you guys wore. Now, I do this, all of this, I do strictly from memory. I don't try to cheat and look on the internet and look at, you know, whatever statistics are there and stuff. I try to do this purely from memory. Now, I'm not so sure about Don, but I think I've got, Donnie, I think I've got Fred. If I remember correctly, Fred, did, didn't you wear number 11? You know, I, I can't honestly tell you if it was 10, 11, or 24. I feel like, 24. It, was, I feel like it, was it was 24. 24. Yep. Was it? Okay. We're wow. so many, That's... We're so many jerseys over so many years. <laughs> They all start to yeah. kind of blend together, right? <laughs> Different sports yep. even, right? So, mm-hmm. so I. Uh, but now, Donnie, did you wear twenty four also? I was twenty two my first year, my rookie year, because uh, our assistant captain Ryan Kelly stole my jersey, number eleven. Ah, okay. And then you became number eleven after. Yep. Okay. See, so I had the number right. It just on the wrong <laughs> person in the wrong year. Anyway, so. Uh, like I said, these all these things run together. When you've got 20 years in, they, they, they run together. But uh, anyhow, so uh, Fred, I'm going to start with you. Uh, first off, uh, when you were a little guy back up in Maine, um, what got your what piqued your interest in hockey? What got you uh, so jazzed up about it? Where 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 did you develop the love of the game? So. Starting really young, I want to say at about two years old, my uh, my dad built a pond, dug out a pond in, behind the house, 
and every winter he'd you know he'd freeze it and and put a fresh sheet of ice over it and try to teach me how to skate so i started at about two years on the old double runners with the the walkers and everything um so i started really young just kind of he kind of ingrained it in me he wanted me to be a hockey player um and then from there uh, growing up in maine there's not a lot of professional sport teams in maine per se but it's all of new england so i really grew up watching the boston bruins um and going to their games and watching them on tv and i i just remember growing up watching cam neely and uh thought he was the greatest and always wanted to be like Cam Neely. He's just tough as nails and he played 100% the whole time. And, you know, watching him as a kid, uh, that really kind of inspired me to want to continue to play. Okay. Uh, now, when you, you know, uh, when you were growing up, uh, how, do you have, a, do you remember how old you were when you first started playing uh, organized competitive hockey? Yeah, as soon as as early as possible, it would, it would be like mini mites now, maybe four or five years old, something like that. Um, so I started, you know, I started that young as early as possible, as early as they have organized hockey and played all the way through and pretty much did it. Once I started, it was um, even though I played other sports, you know, baseball or soccer or something else, um, pretty much played year round. You know, I'd play fall, winter and then play summer hockey as well, pretty much the whole way through. Okay. Now, um, when you played, uh, were you always a, a forward or did you see any time on D? No, I actually, um, I pretty much played defense up until probably my first year of Bantam, like after Pee Wees, right? So I think the first two years that I could check, I was, I was a defenseman and then I transitioned to forward, um, and I think a lot of that also had to do with I, I I grew faster than most of the kids when I was younger. So I was a pretty good sized defenseman. But as everyone got older and, you know, around 14 years old or so, I, I kind of stopped growing. So uh, forward made a little bit more sense uh, for me. And I was, I was if you recall, you know, I was pretty fast on the ice, too. So um, forward just made a lot more sense. And I also enjoyed it more um, at the end of the day. Okay, so now, um, now through Pee Wee and Bantam, were you, were you, did you play uh, like house or did you play travel? So I played travel and house. Um, the I played out of Auburn, Auburn, Maine, and to play out in, on their travel team, they also required that you play on one of their house teams. So all their travel kids played on house teams as well, uh, which was good, right? So we got more ice time that way. Um, and you got to try different, different things during the house games that you typically wouldn't get to try in the travel or like the AAA type, um, games. Right. So I played both all the way through, uh, but I played, always played travel every year. Okay. Now, uh, tell me what that was like for you. If you can remember that as far as, uh, were you, did you have any kind of nerves or any kind of anxiety playing uh, against other kids? No, no, I never really had uh, too much nerves or, or anxiety. Um, I, I really loved to play. Um, I would have played on two more teams if I could. Uh, so, you know, I would, I would get done practice or, 
for a game and go home. And like I said, we had the pond at the house and uh, my dad actually put lights up all around the pond so we could play anytime we wanted, any hour of the day. So we'd get done with a practice or something and I'd have a bunch of, you know, the, the team over and we'd skate till one, two in the morning sometimes and play all night long. Um, you know, just really couldn't get enough of it. Um, but anxiety, no, I never really, never really had too much anxiety. I was always just, just couldn't wait for the next game, you know? Yeah. The, I figured the anxiety probably rested on your, uh, on your folks with uh, <laughs> yeah, you, so. you having those guys over there till, uh, you know, one or two in the morning. Now that does, what did your dad, uh, what, what fired him up so much for hockey? You know, I, I don't know because he never played. Um, he couldn't really skate that great, but for some reason he decided he wanted me to be a hockey player. I, I really have no idea. Um, I've asked him, I asked him before and, and he just said he really wanted me to play hockey and I, there, he doesn't really have a reason for it. Huh. I mean, there's, okay. there's no good reason. That's the sport he picked. Um, and that's... I don't know, maybe up in Maine, because it's so cold all the time, it just makes sense, I guess. Yeah, that could be. You know, the funny thing that I remember about your dad, uh, I remember one time we had emailed each other a couple of times about some stuff back then, and uh, he and I told him, you know, uh, about we, we got on the topic of, uh, of I think, uh, of deer hunting. And yeah, I had said... Right. You know, Yep, I and I I remember telling him about you know, you know the 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 uh, the venison that they that we process here, you know, and stuff from deer, uh, the venison sausage, and uh, how how much I, I dug it and everything. He's like, have you ever had moose burger? And I'm like, well, no, we don't have moose around here. <laughs> you know, it's primarily deer. Your dad sent me a couple of pounds frozen of moose burger. Really. Gr Yes, he did. He he sent it. He sent it to you, and you gave it to me. I remember that like it was yesterday, and I, it was actually pretty decent. I was I was kind of hesitant at first to try it, but then I tried it, and it's I mean it's a it's it's a little gamier, but I mean you 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 I mean it's it wasn't bad at all. It was actually pretty good. I mean I could see myself getting used to it if I ate it, but uh, full time. But uh, he uh, yeah he sent me a couple pounds frozen of uh of moose burger and i'll never forget that he was i mean that was just so cool and <clears throat> he uh but uh you know I, I i i just i mean i think that that it says a lot because there are you know i mean there are times when you uh especially coming from when you're coming from somewhere like you're way up in maine and you've got uh you know your time here and it and you know, obviously we know how things transition for you as far as, you know, moving. But the idea is that uh, I, I, it, it kind of put it in my head anyway that you can take someone from, I guess the nice way of saying it is you can take someone from Maine, uh, take them away from Maine, but you can't take the Maine out of them. And, and I mean, was your dad a big hunter? Uh, oh, yeah. As far as, oh, yeah. So, so, I, you know, I, I grew up eating, you know, moose and deer and, and game. Um, so that's what you, with well, that sample you had, that's kind of what I grew up with um, a good portion of, of my life. And at the same time, uh, my parents were real big on um, kind of growing their own vegetables and things. They had some very large gardens. And so, um, 
you know, just kind of trying to be more on the health aspect of things that they would grow their own vegetables and had some big freezers in one of the garages and pretty much would eat what they grew throughout the winter and then through the summer too. Wow. So yeah, I cool. grew up a little bit, a little bit off, off the land, a little bit more than the, the average bear, I guess. <laughs> I can, I can picture Donnie right now going, uh-huh. Now, no, no, this is all stuff that uh, I enjoy hearing about Fred because uh, you got to remember when he came out there, I was all five years old. <laughs> yeah. So whopping is, five. Yeah, this is a side, a side of Fred that I never got a chance to listen in on. Well, ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, that's why we do this. So, uh, but um, so Fred, well, I guess in keeping in line with that. Uh, I, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna keep going here from the early stuff, but I want to just jump ahead here for one question, and that is, how did you make the transition of from basically eating, you know, that kind of food to coming here? And you know, I mean, they don't have moose here unless you, unless you import it uh, right. or bring it in. You know, what uh, did uh, that throw you off any, or did you just make adjustments and change? make a few changes no i think in the first couple months i put on about 30 pounds <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, let's just say I, we eat pretty well at the nagel household <laughs> <laughs> and uh i remember i remember the first time my parents came out um it was, it was a couple months into the season right um mm -hmm. and as soon as they saw me you know they said what what has happened to you and i said like, what do you mean They're <laughs> like, look, look how much weight you've gained and I said, I, I, I feel fine. I look fine. And they said, you change your diet or you're coming home. Okay, we're taking you home if you don't change your diet. <laughs> <laughs> Good I did. They, thre they threatened me right away, too. They said, we're taking you home if you don't change. You can blame uh, my mother for that one. She made sure that just about every night we had a home-cooked uh, pasta meal. Oh. Well, you know, oh. part of it, too, was, you know, uh, I was hanging out with, you know, several of the, the Cherokee players that lived in the Bedford area. So what we would do is, you know, they'd all come over to the Nagels and we'd all eat dinner there. Then we'd all go over to Chris Crafts, you know, billet parents and eat dinner there. We're getting like <laughs> two or three dinners a night. So it's not even that there was a change in what we were eating. I think it was the, um, the quantity, you know, we were eating three dinners, one at each house every night. And, uh, boy, you you, you guys, you guys took fellowship to a whole new level. Oh, anyway, yeah. But uh, so now, um, going back though, when you were, uh, like I said, you were coming through the ranks. Uh, did you play high school at all? Or I did. Um, I did a couple years uh, of high school in Maine, at school um, called Coney High School. It maybe had. I'd say maybe 2,000 students or so. Um, so I played on their varsity team my freshman year, then my sophomore year. Then I got the opportunity to go to um, a boarding school called Hebron Academy in Maine. Uh, so what I went part there. of Maine? Um, it's actually in Hebron, Maine, but it was uh, it was kind of by the Lewiston Auburn area. Okay. Um, so I did a season there and then after that season, I, you know, I came out, um, 
one of the players that I'd grown up with uh, named Ian Saldano. I grew up with him in Maine, and you may recognize that name. Um, Very well. I was talking to his dad one day, and he said, hey, he said, you should really check out um, the Toledo Cherokee. That's where Ian, you know, has been playing, and, you know, it's a good place to develop yourself. Um, So I said, all right, well, I'll go out and, and go out to a tryout and see what happens, and so I did, and that's kind of why I made the transition from the the boarding school out out to Toledo. And now, when you when you were able to uh, uh, come out this way, how were had you ever been up until that point? Had you been anywhere far away from that far away from home before? No, not really. So, I mean, we played up in Canada sometimes and I'd play all the way down through New England, but never across um, this far across West. Right. Mm-hmm. And then once when we were driving out, I just remember because, you know, where I grew up, I, there was probably six ski resorts within an hour and a half radius. And once I got out here, I'd never seen anything so flat in my life. <laughs> it's very true. Very true. Now, um, if you, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I guess what uh, what what did you find when you came here? I mean, was it like, um, wow, this is a cool town, or oh my god, what am I doing here? Did I mean, what was your first reaction when you came to Toledo? So, when my first thought of Toledo, um, and and you got to kind of put it in perspective because I believe. Toledo is about eight times bigger than the biggest city in Maine, which is Portland. Uh, so mm-hmm. when I got to Toledo, I said, oh, wow, this place is huge. You know, just like the biggest city, the biggest city, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. and I've been to Boston and, and stuff before, but I guess I never, never kind of made the comparison of, of how fast Boston was compared to Toledo or anything. Um but yeah, I thought it was just just a huge city, and now um, being out here, I I realize that it's not quite as big as I I had thought. Okay, so so then you you leave Hebron Academy. Um, first off, tell me about the hockey up there in Maine. Um, what was it like at the high school level, and then when you went to play for Hebron Academy? What was the caliber of hockey that you dealt? Was it appropriate for that level? Was it better than what you expected? Maybe it wasn't. Um, so the high school hockey was was fairly good hockey, um, but the prep school hockey was better. Um, so the prep school hockey. They really did a um, quite a bit of recruiting. Um, so I would say about 50% of the team was actually from Canada. Um, and then maybe maybe only 10 or 15%, maybe, maybe about five players on the team were actually from the state of Maine. Right? Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, they, they pulled from all over the place. Um, so it was a very good caliber of hockey. Uh, the difference between the hockey that uh, the prep school hockey, at least back then, and you know playing the juniors was the junior leagues were much, much more aggressive and much rougher, right? 
Um, mm -hmm. Whereas I would say the prep school hockey was a little bit more finesse and not quite as rough. Okay. Um, so now, how, I mean, you said that, you know, you, at the uh, information you got from uh, Ian's dad that you decided to come to the camp here, what was it like when you came to the camp, uh, the tryout? Um, was it, were you, that's where I think I would think you would find uh, not intimidation, but like, uh, was it like, uh, stepping into a whole new world, being in a, a quote unquote bigger city and, and also, uh, out, uh, playing with guys that essentially you didn't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I played a lot with guys I didn't know just moving from different schools or, or, um, you know, different teams along the way. But when I got out here, yeah, it was it was a big jump, too, because there was definitely some older players. I mean, the the juniors have a pretty large age gap, right, from like anywhere from 16 to maybe 21 or so. Um, so there was that the size difference. There were definitely some some big players that were also fast, which, um, you know, I wasn't used to. But I remember in the tryouts at the same time, um, there were there were multiple fights right and they're you know their fighting wasn't allowed in this where i came from before right so if any type of intimidation or anything i mean i think i think it was the fighting part um where i had just never never had to even watch one when i was on the ice let alone um you know be involved in any so still hasn't the, been yeah <laughs> <laughs> Just means that wasn't your forte. Okay, no one's going to confuse you with Bob Probert or anything. So um, now you come into you come you come to Toledo. You do the tryout. Um, tell me about what uh, how that whole process went, if you remember, uh, as far as meeting the coaches, uh, talking with them. What what uh, what kind of offer did they make to you, as far as you know? what your role would be on the team. Right. Um, so during my tryout, I, I was, I was kind of a little confused because um, I showed up and I think it was kind of in a format of maybe like four or five scrimmage games or something like that. And that was kind of like the tryout. And I mean, I was putting up two, three, four goals every game, multiple assists, and they didn't talk to me until the last day. I mean, so I was seeing these kids that come in and they grab these kids and give them offers. And I was like, I, I just scored, I scored three goals. I scored three goals last game, you know? So I was a little confused um, why they didn't talk to me. But then finally the last day they came in and they, they offered me a position. Um, so I don't really recall too much of, of the discussion. I think I was probably just like a little shell shocked when they came in and actually called called me to talk to me because at that point, I was like, they're not interested anyways. Um, so maybe a little shell shock once they gave me the offer. Um, but I think I think as things progressed through our first um, opening, you know, few weeks and everything, I think it was kind of turned into they, they put me with Kelly Kester. I think I started the first few weeks with him. Um, he got injured. Um, and if you recall, Kelly was just a phenomenal mm -hmm. player. Um, but yeah. they also they really wanted some protection around Kelly at the same time. Um, so they kind of wanted me to 
to take on, I think, a role of, of supporting him, but also kind of being like an enforcer to protect him on the ice as well. And I had never really, I'd never really had to play the role of, of, of the enforcer or protect somebody on, on the ice, right? The heavy. <laughs> right. Um, so now, uh, so now again, this, uh, this, this overlaps and you come into what uh, essentially amounts to um, you're coming to a a uh, new place you've never been. You're staying. You you get introduced to a billet family that you have yet to meet, and you're meeting them for the first time. Tell me the first impressions you had when you, uh, from your end of it. I know Mike Moore was also a part of this, but uh, from your end of it, what was it like when you and uh, and the Nagel family met up for the first time? Uh I think it was. It was a little awkward, I, I think, when um, so they introduced themselves to us uh, at the rink uh, one, I think, on the last day or somewhere before we moved in. And it was just a very like brief kind of meeting. I think I think the Nagels kind of probably talked to my parents more than they talked to me about everything. Um, mm-hmm. So like the, I just remember the first dinner we had, I still remember we had mashed potato steak and some like green beans and it was it was the nagels and me and mike um because mike was also both of our first night there and it was just there was a very quiet um very quiet dinner not a lot said not uh you know just just kind of like crickets chirping you know deal but i'll tell you what that that didn't last very long (laughs) i bet not not, not when you got a five-year-old, uh, you know, nipping at your at your uh, shin pads, <laughs> right? <clears throat> but uh, so now, uh, as you play in that first season, um, you say it didn't take long at all, um, and that that's usually the case for most most billet uh, kids at billet when they billet with families. I mean, they you guys are proof of it. They become family. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, for better or for worse, you guys are, are, are billet brothers. And, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's, it, it says a lot about how, um, it says a lot about the game, first of all, about how much, I mean, you have to be impassioned for the game. It isn't just, uh, something that you just kind of sort of like, and it's like, eh, I'll take it. I can take it or leave it. no. You either go all in, or you're not gonna you're not gonna last long. And I think, and not only just in the game, but I think also in terms of, uh, you know, the billeting. Is, I mean, because hockey is the is the only sport I know where it's basically a lifestyle more than it is just being fanatical about the game. Because I mean, you you like you talked about a little while ago, Fred. You had to go up to Canada to play down in southern New England. I mean, and I'm sure your 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 folks probably had to uh you know plan vacations around your tournaments. Uh you know, and Donnie, you can you can definitely uh understand that too. The fact that your folks uh you know, they would have to do that. They'd have to uh, plan, you know, work what they call vacations, even though they were basically the time off to go to a tournament as opposed yeah. to going to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Um, my parents uh, 
did sacrifice a lot for that and obviously very appreciative of that. Uh, one thing that we did, such uh, as playing hockey, played baseball as well. And funny you say Disneyland, the growing up, the biggest tournament that was called the Elite 24, that was every year down in Orlando. So we would, uh, if we qualified for it, which we did every year, they would take us down there. We'd do uh, baseball up until that Friday, and we'd stay for our quote-unquote vacation for like two to three days. Looking back at it, yep. I, 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 it was a remarkable uh, uh, thing that they were able to pull off in, in general with how much we had going on. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And and same with you, Fred. I mean, my gosh, I would have to think, especially because, now granted, in terms of uh, actual miles, it probably works out to be about the same. But the fact that you had to cover a lot of states and uh, two countries, that still had to be... That still had to be pretty pretty nutty. Sure, and and Donnie knows. Um, he he spent some years uh, going up and, and playing in Detroit. Um, just for me, you know, like like I said, through peewees and everything, the ice rink was probably about 45, 50 minutes away. Um, so it, it was it was a lot of miles and a lot of time just to and from for practice and everything else. Yep, parents sacrificed a ton for that. I I remember doing homework in the car. Uh, Heading up to practice starts at eight o'clock at at night, and I'm all of twelve years old. Getting home at eleven thirty. Ah, yeah, yep. So, and it, no. you think it was bad for me? My dad had to work the next day. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I, I, what is it? I I tip my hat to him, man, because I don't know that I could have done that, you know. But uh, I tell you, the thing though is again. Hockey's just a lifestyle, you know. You 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 embrace it. You embrace it, every bit of it, because see, I'm older than you guys, so I can remember when we didn't have cable. I mean, nowadays people don't have cable by choice. Uh, they don't have, um, you know, they they're cord cutters or whatever. That's great. They can stream everything now. Well, back when I was a kid, we didn't have all. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have anything. All we had was just over the air. I mean, they didn't get cable in the neighborhood I grew up in. They did not have cable until or offer it or satellite or anything until I was an adult. So we all we had was just the old antenna uh, that you put on the roof. And we were able to pull in Channel 50 here in Detroit, up in Detroit, to get Red Wing games. And they only broadcast back then only like maybe about maybe – two a month maybe sometimes three now if that was on a that was on a busy month you know if they if they did three and uh then also we got uh hockey night in canada we got channel nine out of windsor so we were able to watch hockey night in canada every saturday night so uh that was i mean and back then you watched any hockey you could get it didn't matter who the teams were or who your favorite team was you watched whatever you could get and that you were happy with it. And uh, so that's why now, you know, obviously now every game is televised. You know, you can watch your team, whatever team you want, and stream it however you choose to or consume it any way you want. So that's why, you know, it's like this is that's what makes. But again, it just drives the point home as to how great the sport is and how much, you know, we love it. And that's why we, you know, that's why we're all, you know, 
goofball hockey fans. But um, Fred, let me ask you, uh, as you played in that first year, you talked about playing a little bit with Kelly Kester. Who else did you play with that year, if you remember at all? Um, so uh, Danny Mays, Bobby Mays, um, mm-hmm. great guy. Um, so it was, I think that year they, they brought in a, a fair amount of players from Fort Wayne. So there was like, uh, oh, yeah, Klein Schmidt, um, boy, Chris Hoy, yeah, Hoy, um, Kobe Peters, uh, Cole Herb. So it was around that, that time frame. Yeah, John Hale, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, well, well, he he's from who's from what town called Walcottville? Was so, Mike Moore? Yeah, uh, Mike Moore from like Auburn, Indiana, maybe. So yeah, it seemed like half the team was yeah, maybe from Fort Wayne. The comments. Yeah, uh, but uh, I was I always refer to that time as the Fort Wayne experience, but um, it was really it was really weird. Now, the thing that I remember, too, was that was the year, I think we, uh, in playoffs, we were down, like, I think we played Peoria? Yeah. In in Peoria. And uh, we were down, like, it was a best of three. We were down one game. We lost the first game. And there was this uh, rotund, goofy... uh, hockey broadcaster that said if you guys could come back and win the next two games they could shave my head (laughs) how'd that work out (laughs) uh two overtime wins later we're sitting in a in a motel room i'll never forget this i'm sitting there with cole herb uh kobe kobe peters was all like i Let's put it this way. They decided for my haircut, they buzzed me, except they left a patch of hair at the front of my head. They basically was the Harry Krishna look. And uh, they, they, they shaved me up and made, oh, it was bad. It was it a was good really look. Bad. It was a good look. Well, I mean, Wait, so they if I was you wearing a, a haircut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> they get, I mean, they. Jesus, Fred. <laughs> He signed up yeah. for it. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. They buzzed me and gave me the Hare Krishna look, and I, it, it, ooh, it was bad. Let's just put it this way. I'm just glad the, uh, that I had a uh, – I think I had a toque with me, and uh, I, I wore that over my head, on my head. I didn't care if we were in a – if it would have been a in, in the middle of a restaurant indoors, I'd still keep that puppy on. Uh, because it was just a really bad haircut. But now, yeah, well, you know, now Mick, how 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 long of a drive is it to Peoria? Wasn't it about ten hours or so? No, it, well, from Toledo is about seven, seven and seven. a half. So it's about eight hours on the bus, I think, right? Yeah, and I'm right. Pretty, I'm yep. pretty sure on that drive down, Bill Baker made us watch eight hours of fight tapes. Do you recall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Don Cherry tapes, rock 'em, sock 'em. Yeah, nothing. It's just on loop. We just had fight tapes on loop on the bus <laughs> for eight hours. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm, I love grapes as much as anybody, but <clears throat> yeah, the late great Bill Baker, man. Uh, but um, he, uh, Mick, if you don't he, mind, uh, well, yeah, 
What? 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 Fred, speaking of rookie haircuts, didn't you have a pretty uh, fresh, clean look yourself? Yeah, it was a good look. It was a good look. What? What, what was it again? They left my sideburns and then just a line going all the way from my sideburns, you know, through the connecting through the back of my head, (laughs) an inch inch of hair all the way across. And and Mick, I don't know if you're aware, uh, the rookies were not allowed to cut their hair. for How how long did you have to rock that for? Uh, Just through the first day of school, I think. So here I am going to a, a new school. I don't know anybody. Um, I have just the most horrid haircut possible. Um, so, so I go in and I'm wearing a, uh, a bandana, right. You know, kind of like covered over my whole head, looking like a thug. And I'm just like, okay, all right, all I gotta do. Cause, cause I had just enough hair in the back. Like if I pulled it down, it looked like I didn't have my head shaved all, all around. Right. The bandana would just cover around and it would just look like my normal hair and sideburns. And then, like, this teacher, I think it was, like, the first hour, he's like, he's like, you need to take that bandana off. And I was like, I don't want to, man. And he's like, you need to take it off. And I was like, can, I said, can you talk to me in the hall for a second? So he goes, yeah, okay. He goes out there, and I took it off. And he looked at me, and he goes, okay, you can leave it on. <laughs> <laughs> That's priceless. Oh, my God. That is funny. Oh man! So I mean, now, uh, so basically, you had how long did you leave? Have to uh, gut through that first part of school with it for just just the first day. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. Now, uh, did because uh, you know that's going to endear you to so many people if they got to see that hair. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's some pictures floating around somewhere. Hmm. The chops, the chops. That's what I'm thinking of as the sideburns, man. That's, oof. But now, so you go through this first season and you're playing and then you, uh, you start, you make the, get to make the jump into the second season. Did you see your role change at all, Fred? Um, not, not really. I mean, it seemed, it seemed pretty consistent from one year to the other. Um. I don't know. I don't, I don't recall seeing my role change a ton between the years. Uh, I was just, you know, like everyone else, just fighting to to play and make a spot and and enjoy myself out there as much as I could as well. I, you know, through the both seasons, I was, you know, also plagued with some some injuries and stuff, which everyone is. But um, that was that was also not the best. I remember the first season, it seemed like every week I had some new injury and I had a real bad shoulder separation. Um, and that still kind of like plagues me today, <laughs> but four um, surgeries later. Yeah. Yeah. I've had m- multiple surgeries uh, since then. Um, so no, I don't know if my role changed a ton or not, but I, I guess I felt, I guess maybe more in the second year, I felt more vocal in, in stepping up and, and supporting the, the team and the players. Mm-hmm. Just kind of as, yeah. as more of a, more of a, more of just kind of like a semi leadership role or something. Okay. Well, let me ask you about you know the, the what was it like as far as the adjustment from being out there playing prep school to coming in and playing juniors? That's quite a leap. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, you know, I think, like I said earlier, I, th- I think the kind of the big leap was, was the style of play. Um, 
once once I came out here, it was a lot more about systems, right? We we're always uh, learning systems in our um, drills and stuff uh, for practice, and and a little less less individualized. Um, so you kind of really had like a role in in the system, and everything kind of fell apart if you didn't hold up to your your piece of the role in each each play and each um, transition and each each phase of, of of um of the system so it, it it was definitely more based on on everybody leaning on each other than uh, whereas uh, in new england it was a little bit more individualized i think if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i understand that because i mean the the i, I won't say it was it's a bad thing but i think the the kind of a, the knock against uh leagues like the uh the AJ or the EJ was that uh, they weren't very physical. They weren't very, um, you know, you didn't Correct. see a lot of. Phys- now, is that accurate? I mean, you, you being from New England, you'd be able to tell me better than I could say it. Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. And I said a little earlier, you know, the, um, out here it was definitely rougher, right? The play was rougher, a lot chippier. Um, and and it's exactly exactly what you said out there. It was um, definitely not as rough, Come less, on, phys- less physical. Uh, you out here, you got away. You know, I remember standing in front of the net, right, and the defense, the defenseman could just slash you and just hack away at you. And in New England, Dad, they would have been sent to the penalty box immediately. And they out here, they could just keep keep hacking at you for a half hour if they wanted <laughs> the rest would just look and just and just look the other way come on mick t-town hockey you know how it is oh well, this is true you know, hit somebody yep amen but uh now um i i guess no, i mean i'm I, I mention it though only because uh it's kind of one of those things fred where you weren't you weren't a pugilist you weren't a fighter uh you weren't um necessary you were you you tried to contribute offensively that was your role you wanted to try and chip in with with uh, a goal or two and yet you you know you you come into this situation here out here where there are guys that might have put you know 15 20 goals in if they played out east but out here if they get four or five that's a productive year, you know, for them, because right. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just because of the difference in the, in the, in the style of play. Um, some, some guys that that's just how it is, you know, you're used to, you could be a, a offensive stud out there, but you come over here and it, and the thing is, is that the play here is probably more conducive to what, as you get older, as you play at higher levels, I mean, obviously there's not fighting in college hockey, but still the point is, is that you uh, have a physical style of game, a much more physical style of game in general, whether it's uh, in the minors, uh, if you go to higher levels of junior, uh, if you go into minor league, in the minor league professionally, all the way up to the NHL, it's much more physical as you go along. And so that that I'm just saying that some of those those leagues it it it, it can make for a tough transition. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's why I was. That's why I was at you know that's why I was kind of wondering you know what the the transition was like for you because uh, that could not have been easy. 
No, no, no. I, I, I understand where you're going with this. Um, yeah, absolutely. I remember, I just remember so many times like looking over at the refs and, and like putting my hands up and they were like, oh, it's just normal play. And I'm like, where I come from, that's not normal play. You know, um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a rough transition um, in that aspect. Um, just constantly having a stick or, or, or somebody on you physically when, um, you know, playing out in New England, it, you were you weren't constrained uh, as much, I guess. It would be penalties, right? So, so you had a little bit more freedom on the ice to move freely. Okay. Um, so now, uh, after your second season, where do what? Where does uh, Fred continue? Does you uh, continue playing hockey or? Yeah, so I did. Um, I did some preseason with uh, the Wolf Pack the next year, and uh, Continental League, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, you know, I also wanted to go to college, and it seemed like I kind of had to focus on one thing or the other. And to me, at that point, it just seemed like it made the most sense to uh, to go to school and make sure I I was able to finish school and, and get the grades I needed. So I kind of hung up the skates and uh, just made the transition to, to basically being a professional student at that point. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, so where did you go to school? Uh, so I did a few years at Monroe. Um, then I did a few years. I did a year at Eastern. Then I finished out um, with a bachelor's at Toledo. Then I got an MBA from Toledo, and then I got a Juris Doctor, um, a law degree from Toledo as well. Basically, he's still going to school for the fun of it because he's bored. <laughs> Man, dude. I, well, hey. Um, is there is there an end date in mind? <laughs> no, I, goal? I haven't. I haven't uh, and I work at the university, but I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't taken any classes for like four or five years now. Since I finished, since I finished the law degree, I kind of called it quits. He, at one point in time, when he was studying for the bar, he told me his end game was to become the most decorated human in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that never came out of my mouth. No oh, bullshit. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. I yeah, I bet. Anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> I, What's the old saying? I can tell you're lying because your lips are moving. But no, but uh, seriously, um, the uh, man, I, Fred, I, I, hand, I got to hand it to you, man. You, you did it. You know, when you na- when you knock it out of the park like that, man. That's I give I give you kudos. That's that's called stick-to-itiveness and getting the job done, and then some. Well, thanks. So man. now, now let me ask you. Uh, tell me about what it was like seeing this, uh, what started as, uh, uh, your first meeting, this five-year-old kid, uh, and, uh, the, the relationship you guys developed over the years. I want to hear it from your perspective first. Well, besides the fact that I hate his guts, um, mm-hmm. no, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, I, I had, Never, I was, I was the youngest, uh, growing up in Maine. So I hadn't really, and I was the youngest out of really basically all my cousins and everything else. So I hadn't spent a lot of time with, um, kids and children a lot younger than me. 
Um, so it was definitely a, a new experience and really trying to have him to watch what I said and make sure I didn't give him any bad, you know, influence him bad or in, in any way. Yeah, um, that didn't happen. It, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> really successful with that, but I tried. <laughs> you know, I tried. Um, so I remember the first, the first, uh, I think it was the first year I was there. He, um, he had show and tell. And I think, what were you, Donnie? Were you in fifth grade? Uh, no, 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 I mean, first grade, right? First, first grade. Mm-hmm. First grade. I brought um, in my hockey player. <laughs> so he brought, he brought me and Todd Blaskowitz in for show and tell. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and you know Todd. Oh, my. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Whoo, doggy. That's. Oh, my God. That's like. Did they, like, did they give you a police escort? Um, man. <laughs> so, go ahead. It seemed like a good idea. We went in and then, uh, you know, the place didn't burn down and, and all was well, I guess. But yeah, we were, he was, he was so proud to, to have us as his show and tell. Um, so we went in and did that. Um, also, as I said, um, you know, my, my father back in Maine had, had built the, dug the pond out and basically um, to the size of an ice rink, right? So Donnie's dad, actually, um, you know, we got him to put an ice rink in behind the house as well with lights. So there were many a nights that uh, me and a bunch of the other, the uh, other Cherokees would show up and play hockey until about 1 to 2 a.m. as well, right in the neighborhood there. And uh, Donnie and and Don would come out and watch us play. And, um, you know, at the time, we, we would play with Donnie. Uh, he was, what were you, about five years old, Donnie? Yeah. Five or six. And we didn't take it easy on him. We didn't take it easy on him at all. There was, uh, there was a fair amount of blood and tears throughout the uh, first few years of, of the games we would play with him. And I, you, I'm sure, Mick, you've seen, like, those little hockey sticks, right, those little plastic ones that kids yep. all play with. Mm-hmm. And so we'd play mini hockey with him. Welts. And uh, we did yeah. even with his, his younger brother, too. You know, he would have welts up and down his body from the shots we would take on him. <laughs> Ripping them. And, uh, you know, it did, didn't matter what it was. If we were playing, you know, NHL hits on the PlayStation, we didn't take it easy on him. We'd run up the score, you know. And uh, so then uh, things started disappearing around the house pretty fast. <laughs> you know, the, the NHL hits games, the CD would be gone. I couldn't find it. All of a sudden, my favorite couple mini hockey sticks i couldn't find them sure enough they kept getting stashed underneath the couch (laughs) under the cushions so he was hiding them so we couldn't so we couldn't beat up on him anymore man you know know, donnie i'm surprised you didn't end up being a goalie after that (laughs) no i think that's why i didn't want to be a goalie (laughs) that's true so we you know as, as the big age difference we had, um, I'd say I, I definitely contributed to making him a pretty tough kid growing up. And yeah, just, yeah, it sounds like it. Just to circle back on uh, the rink in the back, uh, I'm surprised Fred didn't bring this part up, and maybe I shouldn't be either, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, uh, probably... I don't know, did you get did you even make it a year without getting sued, Fred? No, no. 
the neighbors behind us uh, sued my family for having a multi-sports complex in the backyard because him and the uh, the boys were out till two, three in the morning playing hockey on work nights. And oh, God. Uh, ultimately, uh, the neighbors behind us moved because they lost the lawsuit. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. My gosh, that's insane. Oh, now, oh, maybe because they knew, maybe that was a harbinger of things to come because, you know, after all, since Fred passed the bar, uh, they didn't he's want getting anyway. ready for his, uh, his son to be doing some stupid stuff like that, too. I was going to say, it, that's, it's uh, telling you, Fred, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Not uh, my Johnny. So, not my Johnny. No way. Oh, <laughs> no, never. Not a chance. That poor kid, he does not stand a chance. Anyway, uh, he's going to get it. But uh, just remember, though, Fred, that's the one thing about little kids that are payback for what you've done. That's why grandparents love grandkids so much. Because they know it's a payback for what you were like when you were a kid. It sounds about right. (laughs) It's true. Anyhow. But uh, so now, you know, you guys, um, I mean, how long did it take before you guys actually, uh, uh, I mean, I won't say bonded, but just, I mean, it was like, hey, and I would say this probably is more from your end, Fred, from standpoint of, you know, you're older so you've got a, this brat kid with you and uh, hanging out and stuff. But yet, how long did it take you before he's like, you know what? For a little brat kid, he's all right. Uh, uh, I'm still working on it, Mick, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's a Donnie, work in progress. Uh, Donnie's always been a uh, like a really good-hearted kid. You know, it's just really hard to find anything that you dislike about him, uh, honestly. I mean, I, I really enjoyed him and liked him from day one. Um, you know, but for bonding, obviously, as he got older, um, it was easier to bond with him once he got older. And we were both, you know, probably of age to go to the bar for sure. Sure. I think our, um, our relationship definitely took like a whole new dynamic once he, he got a little older. Um, and I think he'll probably see that with his his younger brother, too, as he gets a little older. Um, but it's funny. Um, so along the way, it didn't matter if it was like the first year that I was there five years later, you know, I, I could be out, um, to dinner with, with Donnie and his, his dad, Don and, or, or anywhere out at, you know, golf tournament or something golf outing and people that didn't know us, um, they would say, you know, they would look at me and, and Donnie and say like, Oh, those, those two looks like so much alike, you know, like, Hey, we can tell they're brothers. You know, people always thought we were biological brothers um, just by I mean, the way we looked. To this day, I have two brothers. I have Joey and Fred. There's yeah. no questions asked. But it's just, it's just funny, you know, no matter where we went, people, people, they would always say, they would always say oh, I, I can see the similarities between the two of them, you know? Like, <laughs> and I, I was like, we're, we're not blood related. But you know, pe- people say it all the time, all the way through growing, growing up with him. So, nope. that's funny. Now, um, so Don, Donnie, let me ask you. Uh, you know, I, I mean, we've pretty much uh, have run the gamut here, talking about everything with in terms of Fred's side of the story. Uh, we're. Starting, we're going to start to transition a little bit here into 
uh, talking to you and talking about your time uh, playing, um, how, I mean, first off, how old were you when you first put on a pair of skates? Oh, I was two, three years old, something like that. And uh, honestly, it wasn't uh, for hockey. For whatever reason, my mother decided it would be a good idea that I become a figure skater. What? <laughs> and uh, you actually might recognize the name, Monica Jablonski? Jablonski? Yeah, that's... Monica Jablonski. Yep. Nick, that's, that's why they needed me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it, true story. Well, I, I was doing uh, edge work, stuff like that, from like two to four. And once I hit like four, apparently my dad went to my mom and said, this isn't happening. He's either going to play <laughs> hockey <laughs> or he's not skating anymore. <laughs> and that's right. why, because my dad didn't play any hockey. I don't know why my mom wanted me to uh, put skates on in the first place. I, I, I really have no idea what she was thinking. Love you, mom, but no idea. Um, and... They said they needed to find someone that uh, I could look up to, older role, role model. And that's how we end up with uh, Mike and Fred. Good. Wow. Well, at least they didn't have you, you know, go from uh, figure skates to ballet. So they're really <laughs> sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so now I know it's going to be hard to remember, especially with uh, uh, the fact that you were only five. But what went through your mind when you saw you're getting a couple of a uh, couple of Billet Brothers coming in out of the get go? Yeah, um, like I said, or like you said, um, I was pretty young. Uh, I remember the conversation with my parents uh, saying it was a pretty serious conversation for a five year old. Hey, mm-hmm. if you want to keep playing hockey, we're gonna do something for you. But here's what's going on. And I was like, because I'm the oldest out of the entire family, cousins, mm-hmm. everything. I'm the oldest. So I've never had anyone to look up to. And I just saw it as cool. I get two brothers that play hockey. How can you beat that? Mm-hmm. So, now, what did you go ahead? No, no. So that that's just kind of, for what I remember, um, that's how it went down. Well, now, I mean, first off, how did you get really, uh, what fired up your passion for the sport? Hitting people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Toledo thing. Anyway. <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, though, but how, how did you, um, I mean, growing up in the area, I mean, did you grow up a Red Wings fan? <laughs> nope. Pittsburgh everything. Uh, Dad hated uh, the Red Wings, so naturally I grew a very deep hatred for the Red Wings. Um, don't know why he hated them. I know why, why he likes Pittsburgh. That's his story from his childhood. But mm. I just kind of followed his tracks and watched everything. Um, my idol growing up uh, was Darius Kasparitis. Shocker. <laughs> what a, it explains a lot it explains a your, your lot thank you good night <laughs> um, thank you good that, night that was my idol growing up i loved how he hit everybody fought anything that uh, he, he didn't go out his way to fight people 
wasn't a quote-unquote enforcer, but if he needed to do something, he did. And that's kind of how I saw the game as well. Now, so uh, where did you start your playing days uh, as far as when you were a little guy? Um, I was with uh, the Toledo Ice Diggers. Uh, started out uh, with the 93 Toledo team. Uh, played a year up. And I think I make fun of it, the, but the figure skating aspect of my life for the two years um, kind of played a big role because I was able to transition that onto the ice and just have better edge work. So I was a better skater than a lot of the kids my age. I uh, was good enough to play for Dennis Rodebush on the 93 team. Oh, yeah. No, Dennis really well. And, and not, now, now you take my uh, idol of Darius Kasparaitis and throw it along with Denny. <laughs> now we, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Don, Donnie, I tell you what, Donnie, you, you just pretty much cemented everything for me. It totally got, has me as to why you are the way you are. Thanks. Uh, de- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, no, but, you know, and I've said this before, but Dennis, I've known him. I've known Denny since uh, he was a little kid. His his sister and my sister were best friends uh, when they, growing up through, like, high school. Uh, so they, I mean, they would spend weekends at, at either their house or my house. So, uh, you know, his sister would, his sister would be at my house or my sister would be at their house. So our families knew each other very, very well. And we're still, we, I, I mean, whenever I, I don't see Denny that much anymore, but whenever I do, it's like, you know, Hey, hi, you know, it's like time never stopped. You know, we yeah. just pick up where we left off, you know? And then, of course his son is doing real well too right now playing in the minors so Honestly, yeah. it's about time he got his shot i've always thought uh nothing but the austin is a world-class goal uh i think he's going to continue to excel and uh we'll see him moving up the ranks i mean he just got pulled up to the echl uh then dropped yeah, back he, down yeah they they called him up for a few games i think they had a uh a goalie injury or something, but, mm-hmm. and then the, the only thing I remember about him with the Cherokee though, was uh, he used to love to play. He, he loved to roam. He didn't like to stay in net, <laughs> loved to roam. And he would go up along the boards. And I think they, if they, they, if they didn't create the stat, they needed to because of him. And that was uh, most assists by a goalie setting up the other team for a goal. Because, <laughs> yep. Austin would play that Austin would play that puck and try to play it up along the boards and inevitably one of two things would happen. He would hit a stanchion or something and it would ricochet back out in front to an opposing player or he'd fan on the pass and an opposing player would take it and put it in the net. Yes. I mean, yes. It well, was, I, I mean, oh I got to uh th- this speaks for who Austin is as a person even at a young age. Um, mm-hmm. we were playing silver sticks, uh, God, where, I think it was in Dayton, uh, trying to get into the international tournament and we were playing no one other than Sylvania. 
uh, in the was final. That, was that the one I was there, Donnie? And that's what I'm going to uh, cycle into in a second. Oh, okay. But I, wa- I want the positive side of uh, who Austin is, and then we can get into your bullshit. <laughs> uh and remind remind you uh we had people like uh austin carroll on the team and mm-hmm. brian lafreniere and if you know their dads that's where this is going with a 17 year old fred um anyways austin came down with the flu an hour before the game he's our only okay. goalie we're, we're like 11 years old 10 years old something like that he is puking and scooping his puke into the back of the net throughout this entire game. Oh, he my throw- God. He throws a shutout, and we go on to win in, uh, to go to the International Silver Six tournament. That just kind of tells you what kind of kid Austin was, even at such a young age. Well, let's put it this way. I'm glad he pitched a shutout, because if that puck <laughs> went in the net, I wouldn't want to be the linesman that has to go in there and <laughs> retrieve it. Yep, yep. But... Anyways, while this is all going on, Fred, I believe this is where you take over. Oh, I'll I'll spare um, some of the details of the story. But long story short, um, I ended up out with a couple of guys, a couple of the fathers of the team, and uh, we had to get back to the ice rink uh, to catch the last bit of the game because uh, we may have been overserved for a while at a restaurant or slash bar <laughs> um just around the corner and missed most of the game so with about five or ten minutes left um we were flying back in through the parking lot and looking for a spot to park uh, the guy driving he had one of those uh, at the time the newer like volkswagen bugs kind of small car and uh, he said ah, we have no time to park over there so he drops it down in gear and flies around the side of the building. And the, all the kids on the ice see is this Volkswagen bug come in through the Zamboni doors, rip the e-brake. <laughs> and we come sliding in to the ice rink into the arena sideways and almost slam into the boards, probably stopped three feet short. And the oh whole place gosh. is silent staring at us. And we just all slowly step out of the car take one or two steps to the glass and just stand there and watch the rest of the game. <laughs> like nothing, like nothing had happened. And the car's sitting there right inside the ring. And I don't know if you've ever seen the silver sticks arena down there in Dayton, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like yeah. a bowl. So every single person you see that car just piled in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That that's is hilarious. Yeah. That's what I grew up with. <laughs> oh. You know, uh, Fred, I didn't know you had it in you, buddy. Uh, my goodness, man. Now, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone. Uh, but yeesh, I'm interested in what he left out, though, Donnie. I do. That's <laughs> let's just say uh, we'll talk about that some other time, man. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Fred. I appreciate that. Anyway. So now, uh, man, but yeah, that does say a lot about Austin, but also the fact that uh, obviously, you know, the coaching, and I don't, I don't mean that just because it was Austin's dad, but I mean, I've, I've known Denny, like I said, a long time, and he's just a good, really good coach, and uh, the, that usually has an effect on players, 
you know, especially as you're starting to come through the ranks, you know, you know, when you're, when you're real little, it's like, oh, this is all fun, you know, and uh, we were, we're out here and it's like, oh, look at that. You know, it's like your, your attention span is that of a gnat when you're, you know, five years old usually, but you start to get, take the game a lot more seriously as you get older and everything. And, it, and you, that's where coaching comes in. And, uh, you know, again, that has, it, it has its effect. Um, now, when you played, uh, Donnie, did you play, I mean, were you always a defenseman or did you start as a forward? Or? Uh, let's just say, Mick, uh, God did not grant me with, uh, the the best hands in the world. Uh, I did everything I could to keep the puck off my stick. <laughs> That's okay. Point taken. <laughs> Anyhow, but, uh. At least you, well, that's probably had to do from all the welts you took from uh, <laughs> uh, uh, some, someone else here joining us on this podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably more to do with it than anything. But uh, <laughs> now when you, you know, when you uh, see, cause to me, I always figure it's uh, when you're small or when you're a young kid, real young kid, when you're first starting up, usually it's a case of who's, as you get older, it's like who can skate backwards the best yep. or, and I'm taking it. That's again, where maybe perhaps some of that uh, training you got from Monica Jablonski helped. Yep. I was still to this day, I can skate faster backwards than I can forwards. Uh, a lot of the different drills that we would do in juniors and triple uh, a and whatnot, you would have your defensemen start on their knees at the top of the circles and the forwards in the corner Get up off your knees. They're already standing up and go. Try to beat them down the boards. At the older ages and the faster I got and whatnot, it got to the point where they were only a foot or two in front of me. And I started on my knees and still would be able to uh, win that battle. Wow. Uh, now, so okay, so now... Where did you, where, where, 